I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Welcome back, Owl Pellets. It's Mike here with Becky, and we have... Rebecca Mott and John Tummins with us today to talk a little bit about livestock production. And their title is, What is the Meaning of Livestock Production? And so before we get into that, uh, Becky, you want to introduce yourself and then John? Absolutely. I'm Becky Mott from the University of Missouri, and um, I teach in our Department of Ag Education and work quite a bit with undergraduate students. Um, and also get to work with our graduate students doing some qualitative research. My name is John Tummins. I'm Director of Undergraduate Studies here at Mizzou in Ag Education. I work primarily with our teacher education students. Um, both of us have extensive uh, ag, education, or ag education background. We both uh, raise cattle and have um, raised kids through that process as well. Excellent. Well, this is a, a super cool study and a fun fun study to talk about um, in regards to uh, youth livestock production. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation today, but uh, to kick things off, would one of you like to kind of summarize the study and, and, the, and what you found and what we'll be talking about today? Sure, I can, I can start on that. Um, I will say before we start, though, Dr. Tummins uh, was definitely my, my partner in this throughout the whole process. Um, and really what, what this was about was thinking about how do we capture what's going on with youth livestock production? Um, you know, we hear all these stories from the ag industry about all the wonderful things that youth projects can do, um, all, all of the opportunities that it gives young people. There's a lot of anecdotal stuff out there, but there's not a lot of research out there about how these projects impact kids for the future. What, um, not, not just in a dollars and cents figure and not just in a, uh, you know, what kind of skills do, uh, do these kids develop, but, but what kind of meaning do these projects have to them and, and how do they help launch them into the future? And those thoughts kind of are what got this project going. And um, we decided that, you know, the best way to do this was really to talk to young people who had been engaged in livestock production throughout their entire childhood, not just the show world, but the kids who had grown up raising animals, being part of that culture throughout their entire lives. And, uh, you know, we talked to, to students who were seniors in high school, ending those 4-H careers of being involved in, in livestock production um, to see what kind of meaning they did find in those experiences. Yeah, I would add to that, you know, if you've ever um, supervised or helped a student with their livestock project, you know that there's lots of outcomes besides just having a, a, an economic out, outcome at the end of the fair. And so what we really tried to do was put a scientific lens on this and say, what are some of those outcomes for a student's project that are beyond just selling a, selling an animal at the market show. I, I love the concept and the idea of this project, because if we think about uh, livestock um, as part of the history of ag education and where we've come from, you know, it's been a fundamental or a core 
um, area of um, ag education and and really at the roots of what we've done. And, and so rather than to just make assumptions that learning's taking place or, you know, it's kind of like uh, spaghetti sauce, it's, it's just in there. Uh, we get the opportunity to really spend some time thinking about what are those outcomes and what are students learning and how can we use this project as a as a learning tool for uh, students um, who are engaged um, in those opportunities and and so tell us a little bit about those outcomes that uh, um, you were looking for or that you were able to kind of tease out through these conversations that you had. And I'm so going to hold it off right there a second because I I want to hear about the outcomes, but I do want to make sure before we get into this that this you were looking at 4-H youth. And when we think about just kind of, yes, this is our ag ed, like our traditional school-based ag ed history, this is ag ed a little broader than what we normally get to talk about here. And I think it's really important to kind of situate that, not just in terms of like, hey, this is where ag ed has been, but like there are lots of places our kids are getting these opportunities. There are lots of places that ag instruction and learning in and through ag is happening that we kind of forget have really transferable things that come back to the ag ag classroom. And so just before we get into outcomes, situating that like there is a ton of value in all these other places that kids are learning about and through agriculture. Okay, outcomes, please carry on. <laughs> mention to you, I can't go without saying it since you brought it up. Yes, all of these students uh, were 4-Hers. Interestingly, they were also FFA members. And one of the things that didn't even make it to the article was they didn't even differentiate between 4-H and FFA livestock experiences. It was always one breath, 4-H and FFA, 4-H and FFA. And so they're, you know, if they're not separating, we need to really make sure that we are um, understanding that both of those organizations are super powerful and, and can really do a lot to help kids with that journey with their livestock. Excellent, excellent. So, um, and, and Becky's spot on when we start having that conversation about um, all kinds of avenues and venues in which we can get these rich experiences and and uh, quite often when we think about at least, and I know this varies a lot from state to state, um, but um, in, in many states, when we start talking about livestock projects, 4-H and FFA start to start to feel a little bit interchangeable given the, the, the types of uh, and the family dynamics that happen as a result of that. And, and, and so I'm curious a little bit about uh, uh, what you all found as part of your study. Well, I'll start with, um, with the first one that I think is absolutely amazing um, and not, not surprising. We found that students who were involved in livestock experiences, livestock production uh, throughout childhood were, of course, very well connected inside of their own family, had a lot of family experiences, but not just the family, into that wider community. So whether that was their own local communities at places like the feed store, uh, the bank, or whether that was beyond into statewide organizations and even national organizations, um, you know, they, they have these opportunities that maybe started when they were eight years old and they got to know the, the guy at the feed store who they buy their feed from and 
you know, he might have been somebody who supported them then at the sale or whatever. And then we'd find years down the road, lo and behold, they go work for that man when they were 17, 18 years old, right? Those connections continued throughout. And, and we have a lot of really neat stories like that in, in the paper. Um, but really what that got us to thinking about, though, was, you know, that's absolutely wonderful for these students and it, uh, certainly something that that we need to spread far and wide that that livestock experiences can help propel young people into the future and connect them with community but how sad for those who would really like to be part of this and don't necessarily have that opportunity so i think this really um, is, is something that should encourage ag teachers to think too about who do I have sitting in my classroom or participating, participating in my program that has extensive interest in livestock and how can I help connect them to their community if this isn't something that their family has participated in or is participating in. Well, and as you were talking, just some of those pieces of connectivity that we even I think it was really easy for me as an ag teacher to say, all right, I need to connect kids to careers and I need to help connect kids to the ag workforce. I forgot as you were talking, the things that just like having to go to the feed store and say, this is what I need. And like, and, and communicating with somebody else that way and exchanging money and doing, you know, going through that process. It's not just the, it's not just the, Hey, we did, it's, it's not kid career go. It's all those other skills that, may not necessarily even, I mean, if it connects right there to that internship or that job, awesome. But like, those are things that are going to go into other careers and other opportunities when a kid is comfortable to say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I need. This is how, like, this is how we can engage together. That that connection, I think, really goes beyond just, hey, kid opportunity to hear all these things that are going to go into other avenues of what they're going to be pursuing, which is just, just super exciting. <laughs> yeah. So for me, the take home message as an ag teacher is those students who are well connected, those students who've grown up in that community with livestock, how can we intentionally um, foster those relationships with all those different stakeholders? And then those students who uh, don't have those connections, let's say you have a student who grew up in town, who wants to be a vet, how can I intentionally help that student build that connection? Well, I think you mentioned too, not just the, not just that, how do I help them find that connection, but how do I help them kind of understand the why behind what they're doing right now that makes that connection worth their time? Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I can jump in on the second theme. So we're really encouraging ag teachers to ask questions that promote uh, deep reflection so to help uh, those young people understand the why of what they're doing um, and how this information can be applied in different situations. So uh, as a former ag teacher, I think about those SAE visits and, you know, um, when they feed their steer, you know, how much do you feed your steer? Well, I feed them two buckets. Okay. Why? You know, well, cause that's what dad told me to do. Right. Because um, you know, this three would be too many. Well, why, you know? And so, uh, just helping students to to really think about and reflect on the practices that they have and and those daily chores can be a learning experience. And we're really about transferability, right? And so if if we want a kid to do more than just feed this one steer today, we want them to learn how to feed an animal in the future or 
do something else related in the future, right? They have to have that, that deeper understanding to be able to transfer learning into that new situation. And, and, and I think where I see the, it, it helps the learning and the classroom things that we do come, come alive. And so whether it's around the kitchen table at home with uh, young people and 4-Hers or if it's um, at a, um, a 4-H meeting or in an ag ed classroom, when we start talking about nutrition, we talk about growth and development, we talk about what kind of nutrients are needed um, in, in a, a feed mix. And we have that opportunity to have that conversation and students not only talk about it and see it um, from, a, from a textbook standpoint, but then they can also uh, go out and see and experience that and, and see what those differences are when they, um, when they have their own project. So cool well, stuff. It really ties into that community connections piece we were also just talking about too, right? So how meaningful is it to help that kid, again, be connected to the guy at the feed store that mixes their feed to understand even more about what is in their feed and, and why they are feeding that two buckets of whatever mm -hmm. they're feeding. Uh, so taking advantage of those community connections, even when you're helping to, to you know, promote deeper reflection about their learning. But hearing in both of those, the importance of the kid having the experience, the kid, you know, is the one who's feeding this year. The kid is the one who's making that connection. That doesn't happen when I'm going to the feed store for my kid. That doesn't happen when I am feeding this year for, like, it doesn't happen when I'm telling the kid, here's the why from that. So, and I think that was another key piece of your study as well, right? So if you could expand on that, when we think about just what are those things, like, how do we really think about this experience in terms of what the kid needs to be doing for there to really be some strong meaning associated with it? You bet. And this one is, this one's tough because um, as teachers and as parents too, uh, we have a tendency of wanting things to be perfect sometimes, uh, especially when you throw a little healthy competition in the mix and we know that a lot of these kids are, are raising production livestock at home, but a lot of them are also exhibiting livestock at, at fairs around their community, their state, and, and even nationally. Um, the challenge comes, though, is when we have, we have students who are maybe competing at a high level, yet their skills may not be necessarily where they should be around some of these things. So I really think it's important for ag teachers to be thinking about, as you look at individual students, what is this student maybe not doing yet with their particular set of livestock that they could be doing? So this might be, you know, a kid who's shown for a couple of years and, and somebody else is still clipping their steer for them. Uh, we see that often, um, but why? And so, you know, that, does that involve some scaffolding to get them to that higher level? Absolutely. Um, when stakes are high, it's really hard. Uh, turning over the clippers to them for the very first time at the state fair is probably not the best idea, but my goodness, that's sure something that they can start working with early at home and learning how to do that effectively. Um, and with all those things, we know that they're not going to do it perfectly the first time, and that's okay. 
um, because this is supposed to have a learning and development component to it as well as that competition piece. But it's yeah, so think... hard to let go. <laughs> Especially when you're ways the right way. <laughs> but they're doing it wrong they're doing it wrong Hang on. <laughs> that was the specialization right everybody's starting to specialize in in one area so we'll we'll bring in a fitter or we'll bring in somebody to to take care of those things but it, you know it, this this goes to mind and i think it's a deep topic to for ag teachers and 4-h leaders and even parents um, to, to be self-reflective, you know, earlier we were talking about asking, um, the, the 4-H member or the FFA member to be self-reflective and think about the why. And, and I think now's a good time for our adults to think about the why and, and how do we scaffold it and what is age appropriate? What is skills appropriate? And, you know, you're, you're exactly right. You, you, a lot of these can be high stakes or we assume we, we believe them to be high stakes. And so when is the right time? And so when it's, it's um, off season, if it's February and March in Iowa, now's a good time to kind of be practicing instead of waiting until July and August when it's County and state fair time. And so thinking about building those skill sets up and, and uh, allowing people to practice and, and uh, learn along the way, I think said, um, a great opportunity. Yeah, and I think that just takes some intentionality and some planning ahead. And, you know, I, I, as a cattle producer, I absolutely recognize that I need to have a good showing at the state fair for my heifers for me to, to be able to market those. And, and that's probably not the right time for my kid to learn how to clip. But but kids are, uh, your students are, are capable of doing a lot more than we give them credit for. Uh, and, and so practicing those things ahead of time is really important. I have to give Dr. Maude a hard time because we know our kids have grown up showing cattle together and I, I often refer to myself as the show assistant and uh, but that's really that's really what I see my role as is you know I'm not I'm not grabbing the halter from the kid as soon as they walk out of the ring and I'm not the one clipping in the barn and, and that that requires me to acknowledge that there's other outcomes here besides what happens in the show ring. And I think there's so many different skills that surround uh, livestock production. You know, I even I even think about things like transporting their own livestock to the fairs, right? A lot of our kids are 16, 17, 18 years old in the program and, um, you know, can certainly be taught to drive a trailer and load and unload their livestock and those things. Uh, those are all important skills, too, if they plan to continue in, in this work and uh, you know, as a teacher, as a parent, those things, yes, they have safety things to them. You have to think through that. Uh, they also require some trust, mm -hmm. um, but they need those experiences to learn and grow. So, so figuring out what's appropriate and, and helping push to that next level all the time, I think is very important. So, so many of those skills, and, and we probably don't even think about it, are highly transferable too. So they graduate from high school, they move on, and it might not be a one for one, but having those skill sets and that self-confidence um, really would be applicable in a lot of uh, career areas down the road. For well, sure. That those things are going to happen in those imperfect, like where a lot of that learning is going to happen is in those imperfect moments when our animal gets sick, when our animal 
heaven forbid our animal dies or you know at the end of a show when we sell our animal and they are no longer our animal there are also some tough conversations in that like preparing for things to not be like hair will grow back if we cut it in february and we don't do it super well but (laughs) but there are going to be things that happen over this experience that we go yep that was not perfect and that is something that we're going to have to have some bigger consequences on than waiting for hair to grow back can you talk a little bit about kind of that that conversation and how you kind of prepare and when you prepare, like we were talking about that age appropriateness of how do you, how do you engage in that conversation? What are some, some questions or best practices we can engage about kind of the tough side of livestock production? Yeah. So, so uh, I think about the generationality of livestock production here and how we have, you know, there's an endpoint to the market show. And so a lot of times that endpoint is the, student will be putting their animal on uh, a trailer to go to the packer. And that's, that's definitely a, a loss and it can be a loss to the student and to the, the entire family. So we encourage people, uh, our teachers to talk with young people and the families about those hardships and that loss before it occurs. So really just helping them be prepared to deal with this. And it's, it's hard for the grownups as well. You know, I can think through my own experiences with my kids and, you know, the unexpected loss of a, uh, a cow when she has a problem calving. And, and um, that's, there's definitely some learning opportunities there that we don't want to dismiss. We want to uh, approach those with some intentionality. I think one of the things that was interesting that came out very clearly in this study is that, you know, having a, having livestock naturally meet the end of its, of its life and be prepared to do its purpose uh, which is to be food on someone's table. That's that's one thing, and it's certainly important to help prepare that young person and make sure that they understand exactly what is going to happen at the end of that project, especially with younger kids. But they tended to find it much harder when it was uh, a production animal, so like, say, a heifer that they had raised, and maybe something went wrong in calving, and, and they lost that heifer that unexpected loss uh, was a lot harder to handle and to stomach because um, that animal didn't meet that purpose. And of course, you know, they, there was an economic investment in that animal, but they also had that, that hope and that, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna build my herd. This is gonna be, you know, the next thing. And sometimes, sometimes they had raised the mother of that animal. I mean, they gotten attached through the generations uh, to that animal. And so dealing with that, I think, was, was much harder for them overall. But it was, it was very interesting. Um, you know, all of those young people had, had been raised, again, in, in that environment and, and kind of knew that, you know, they would say things like, well, that's, that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, and, you know, move on to the next thing. But it's really important to help them figure out what moving on to the next thing looks like uh, and how to do that in a way uh, that, that helps kind of ease some of the some of the hardships, some of the emotions that go along with raising livestock. And it's not just kids that feel those emotions. They're hard things. Definitely uh, difficult and challenging uh, conversations to have. And even, uh, you know, certainly for, for some of us as adults, probably difficult to process and then trying to help young people process it as well. But uh, your point, I think, about... Um, not ignoring it, 
and and having a conversation about it, I think is super important, important and something that we need to give some, some thought to. So um, excellent, uh, excellent points and great discussion today. So um, Becky and John, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, I think this is an excellent topic for us uh, to give some thought to as we uh, uh, work with uh, young people that have livestock projects um, and, and, and all projects for that matter, when we start to think about the intentionality of using those experiences as a learning opportunity, figuring out the why, um, and, and knowing that uh, there are outcomes that we should be taking a look at and thinking about to help students uh, grow uh, both in the classroom and, and um, also prepare them uh, for careers and skills and even open up the door for uh, career opportunities for students. So um, John and Becky, we certainly appreciate your time today. And uh, for uh, Becky, I'm Mike and make it a great day. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.